Mars Hill family, we miss you so much, and we wish that you have a wonderful, beautiful holiday season. Today our scripture reading is from Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mm. Well, friends and family, the Lord be with you. Thanks to Susie and to Shauna and Dan and all the musicians who are here today, Nick and Billy, the nine of us who are in the building here at 3501 Fairlanes. Um, glad to be a part of this together. Fourth Sunday of Advent and... Uh, honored to have another chance uh, to share a few words here. Um, one evening this past week, just after Maggie went down to sleep um, for the night, my mother-in-law and I were sitting in front of the fireplace uh, reading. And uh, the fireplace, you know, the wood was crackling and hissing and it was really quiet. And then uh, Jane made this noise um, of surprise and I looked over at her and I see this confused look on her face and she smiles up at me and she says, um, my book is missing a page. It turns out that her book went from page 183 to 185. But it wasn't a numbering mistake. It was a gap in the story. An entire page just missing. And eventually she says, well, I hope I can figure out what's going on. And I sat there thinking, well, isn't this a helpful metaphor for 2020? Does anyone else feel like this year is missing a couple pages? Do, do you feel like your life right now might be missing a page or two? Is anybody else struggling to figure out what on earth is going on? I sometimes feel like there might be pages missing when I read the Bible too. And to be honest, the verses that we've been focusing on during Advent here out of Isaiah 9, I often wonder if something is missing here. Um, we find this really moving and this really beautiful promise, but it seems like maybe it should have included some kind of uh, what to expect statement. It seems like in this section, it needs a couple of more sentences that tell the readers not to get your hopes up. Don't get too excited about this promise because, well, it's gonna take a little while. Chances are, dear reader, that when you come across these words, that they still won't be fully true. And I feel that especially when we come to the fourth of the titles here in verse six, the Prince of Peace. Because every year, this is the reality that I most want to be true. It's the one that I most desire. And it's the one that seems the most unlikely. It's the hardest to imagine. It's certainly the one that is most difficult to see actualized in our world. And that's no different this year in a year that brought civil 
and racial unrest up close, right here in Grand Rapids, not just in some far off bigger city. And a year of raging opinions about masks, about political candidates, about whether the old Taylor Swift is better than the new Taylor Swift. A year of wildfires and hurricanes, of families having intense conversations about having to change holiday plans, of some people working incredibly long and demanding hours while some lost their jobs or they sat waiting for their industry to resume normal operations. Students facing rising mental health concerns while they're navigating alternative learning realities. And in this year, I want the Prince of Peace to be fully realized more than ever. And in this year, I feel like I'm struggling to find glimpses of this promise more than ever. Peace sort of feels like the poolside chair that I sat in during my honeymoon. It sounds so refreshing and so restful and so restorative, but it's also so far away and it's currently not available to me. Not long ago, I came across a stat and the estimate of that stat was that over the thousands of years of recorded history, in only 8% of all of that time has there been real world peace. And during that time, over 8,000 treaties have been made and then subsequently broken by nations. 8% of all of recorded history has experienced real world peace. It's probably less cumulative time than all of the episodes of The Crown. I'm really struck that these four titles in Isaiah, that they're combined together, especially Prince of Peace and Mighty God. Kyle Lake helped us think about and look at Mighty God a couple weeks ago. Go back and check that sermon out. But the collision of Mighty God and Prince of Peace, I think it's really startling. It's mind-bending for me to realize that the might of God is eventually demonstrated in the exercising of Jesus' peaceful behaviors. The might of God is demonstrated in Jesus turning the other cheek and blessing those who cursed him and praying for enemies. And it's mind-bending because we live in an altogether different kind of world. One that the writer Adam Hurlson describes this way. It's a world where peace is only possible because we can assure the world that our missiles will launch before theirs land. But God's desire, we know, is for another way, a way that requires something, a way that requires someone really different in order for peace to be realized. Show of hands. Anyone ever heard of Hamilton? Great. Dumbest question of the year, probably. God is very different from King George, right? His approach, and feel free, all of us in this room, to sing along if you want. His approach is this. I will send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love. 
Yeah. I sure hope you can hear these people. And yet we know that Ephesians 2, it stresses that Jesus is himself our peace. That he has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility and that he has made a new humanity reconciling to God through the cross. And yet all of those kinds of promises, they seem to me like a one day possibility. Sometime in the future. Does the title Prince of Peace have anything for us now? We well understand the not yet aspect of this prophecy. What about the already right nowness? Of our lives. Immanuel Kant, the German Enlightenment thinker, who, just so you know, is, I share the same birthday as Immanuel Kant. Um, you're welcome. Uh, he once wrote this Peace is no empty idea, but a practical thing which, through its gradual solution, is coming always nearer its final realization. Immanuel Kant died in 1804. Does it seem to you like peace is coming nearer to its final realization now? On the first Sunday of Advent, I talked about the tension of this season. This tension that requires the Christ follower to hold the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. And so when we encounter these promises, this prophecy like the one in Isaiah, we take seriously all of these orientations. And we trust and we recognize that the realization of these promises are past, present, and future and yet, when I sit with this title, The Prince of Peace, I feel largely dissatisfied thinking about only the past and only the future. I feel bummed out to focus only on what will one day be true. I want more than to sing in the Handel's Messiah that he shall reign forever and ever, someday. I want to experience now the lion lying down with the lamb, or maybe more miraculously, the donkey having a civil conversation with the elephant in our political reality. I'm interested in the question, how can we encounter the Prince of Peace now in our everyday lives, not needing to wait for some far off eventually future? And so I want to offer up two images as potential pathways to encountering the Prince of Peace. And these certainly aren't the only ways, these only the, aren't the only images, and frankly, I, I'll admit that these probably aren't pathways that any one of us would voluntarily choose. But I highlight them because I believe they are realities, and I believe it will be helpful for some of us to remember that these realities do not disqualify us from encountering the Prince of Peace. In fact, I think these realities are a kind of crucible in which the ability to discern the presence and to receive the gifts of the Prince of Peace is formed. And so the first of those images is the raging storm. Even though this month of December is currently tied for the driest of all time as it relates to snowfall in Grand Rapids. Thank you, Wood TV 8. Even though that's true, most of us are very familiar with the presence of storms in our lives, and many of us are particularly familiar with storms during this year. 
Storms that seem to come out of nowhere. Or maybe storms that have been brewing for a long time and you've been watching them slowly approach over the horizon. Or maybe these are storms that you thought blew away but have come back with fuller force. Storms that threaten to topple everything or at the very least overwhelm you long enough to take your breath away. Do you remember the story of Jesus calming the storm? It's told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus and his disciples, they're in a boat on the lake when the storm comes up. And Matthew says it comes up suddenly. Many of us very familiar with that. Suddenly, out of nowhere. And Luke says that the disciples, they were in great danger. This was a real storm. They aren't making anything up. They aren't overreacting. And yet in each of the stories, in each of these accounts, we've learned that Jesus is asleep in the stern. Mark gives us the detail. Not only is Jesus just asleep, but he's asleep on a cushion. Does this bug anybody else? Because I'll be really honest, this part of the story frustrates me. Because it can feel like Jesus is always asleep when something bad comes up. And I find myself singing that old U2 song. Do you remember? Wake up, dead man. Wake up. But I really admire the disciples in this story. Because they don't sit around complaining like I often do. That Jesus isn't doing something about their situation. They don't sit around and intellectualize suffering. No, they call out for what they need. And in Matthew, it's the very simple prayer. Lord, save us. Lord, save us. And then the miraculous event occurs. Jesus gets up and he rebukes the winds and the waves. And in good old King James, Mark says that Jesus speaks these words, peace, be still. And at the voice of Jesus, everything changed. Luke says that all was calm. And when I read that, I can't help but wonder if maybe that's describing more than just the storm and more than just the water, but maybe also the disciples. Hear the words of Jesus. Peace, be still. Friends, be reminded today that there is no storm that Jesus cannot overcome. He is one who calmly faces angry wind and fierce waves and he rebukes them and speaks those words, peace, be still. Our Prince of Peace defines our lives, not the storms, not the chaos, not these beaten up vessels that we limp around in. So call out to him. Lord, save us. Lord, save me. And may I experience peace in the storm. Now I want to acknowledge that some of us has, have done this very thing. That we've recognized the storm and that we've humbly and earnestly cried out, Lord, save me. Speak peace and stillness over me and over this storm, and yet it all rages on. And that brings me to the second image, to frayed ends. 
If you've been around Mars Hill for any length of time, you've probably heard a sermon or two that has tried to unpack this notion of biblical peace in the Hebrew word shalom. It has a few connotations, most of them revolving around completeness and wholeness, or in the words of Radiohead, everything in its right place. And it's very future looking, pointing to this ultimate and complete restoration of all things. And as I've already said, this can sometimes feel really unsatisfying. While I certainly long for that one dayness, and I groan with all creation for that promised future, I'm also aware of so much right now that needs fixing and restored and healed. And I'm frankly a little impatient for peace. And I would rather not wait for the fully realized rule and reign of Christ. Maybe you can relate to that as well. So as I was studying, and I came across a parallel way of thinking about biblical peace, shalom, um, I found something that is really beautiful and I think really comforting. So in addition to the idea of completeness and um, eventual full restoration, shalom could be understand, understood like this. A tying up of loose ends putting things back together into a hole. I picture the ends of a rope. The edges all frayed and pulled apart. I'll be honest, how many of you when you saw that image you automatically superimposed somebody's face over that? Yeah. But look again at those frayed edges those frayed ends, and think about how difficult it would be to tie it back up again. It seems impossible. And yet, Jesus has promised his peace to his people. And if we are allowed to understand biblical peace as a weaving together of life's frayed ends, a knitting and a lacing back all that's come undone. Well, that's certainly good news and it certainly demonstrates the mightiness of God. And it reinforces that these four phrases we've been looking at in Isaiah, that they're not simply titles, but they're descriptions of who Jesus is and what Jesus does. So what needs put back together in your life? Can you identify those frayed ends? Those nagging, undone areas of chaos and disappointment and fear. Those areas that need the Prince of Peace, that, that need the Prince of Wholeness to weave it all back into an unbroken and unified whole. Whether you are currently in a raging storm or you're on the other side of one and you're dealing with the wreckage of frayed ends and you're sensing that there's a gap in the story that you want filled and completed, invite the Prince of Peace into those places. On a typical Sunday, with a room full of people here in the shed, we would stop right now 
and we would take some intentional time to invite people into prayer. They would be compassionate and gracious members of our prayer team scattered around this room, eager to be present with you in your time of need. They'd be there to pray for you, to pray over you, to anoint you with oil, to seek God's healing in your life. But here we are. However, I want to draw your attention to a slide that potentially many of us have never seen before. This slide is in our opening announcements and closing announcements before and after the service. And it's an invitation for prayer. Our congregational care pastor, Brian Catlett, he's been looking for ways to creatively extend our prayer ministry during this COVID season. And this is an invitation to any and to all. Because we have people, legitimately, we have people ready to pray for you. Even though we can't be together over the phone or set up a FaceTime or Zoom or yell at each other from across the street, whatever would be helpful and comforting and meaningful for you. And this is available today, certainly, but not exclusively today. Every week there are people waiting and willing to pray with you. So consider this, particularly today, and send an email. Somebody will follow up with you and somebody will pray with you and for you. It's possible that every single sermon I quote John Chrysostom. I was made fun of it this morning for it. And though he died at the start of the 400s, I feel like his words are so relevant and they're so moving. And here's one more quote from him. He said, the peace which comes from a human being is easily destroyed and subject to many changes. Take this in. But Christ's peace is strong and unshaken and firm and fixed and steadfast, immune to death and unending. One last thought. Quickly looking at some of these really loved verses from the book of Philippians, uh, chapter four, verses six and seven. It says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in every storm, in every aspect of your frayed end life, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God. Lord, save us. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let us not forget that this peace we long for, it passes all understanding. We cannot figure it out. It's not a code we can crack. It's beyond us. And thank God for that. Because don't we all want more than what a human being can provide? So take heart. We may never figure out how peace works. We may never figure out how it is fully realized. 
but we can look for peace in the stormy and the frayed ends of life. Trusting our heart and our mind will be guarded by the Prince of Peace. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.